all right welcome we're back uh, for another week of last ones at the bar as i always say the baddest podcast in the land we got all three members back we got danny back fresh from europe um danny how, how we doing you feeling all right we're gonna see I, I feel good though you know what i mean like i feel like they, they say that it's easy to adjust easier to adjust from jet lag going west than east mm. and so uh i actually do feel surprisingly good like overall you know like I, I did hot yoga this morning even though i had to get up early for it i was like well i need i need my body to sweat start sweating that stuff out you know what i mean so i'm feeling good i was glad for the experience glad it was on company's dime and um you know i enjoyed myself I, I i feel grateful for that opportunity you know you know they say when you travel um you know from those experiences you're never the same you know in in a, in a good way for the most part mm -hmm. also um as far as jet lag is concerned my understanding is that what you did as far as getting some exercise in with the yoga like that helps with the jet lag some people like to go do a little cardio like once they get somewhere Mm -hmm. uh, kind of balance things out uh veli veli what's been good with you man what's up man nothing much man just uh being busy you know loving family loving life man doing the same old thing oh okay okay good sounds sounds goody you know um let me go ahead and today we got a a, a podcast uh you know that we're doing as, as well as this this broadcast here and so some of the topics that we're going to cover, obviously the Canelo, we're going to go down the, the car, you know, that was out there in Las Vegas. We got Jai Opataya, you know, we got some predictions coming up. And so I guess right now, you know, it's game time right now. You understand what I'm saying? That's why you got the Milwaukee Bucks. We're about to go ahead, win us two or three more championships for the Greek Geek the Freak. So let's go ahead and get it popping. You know what I'm saying? Hey, well, before we get into the boxing, I want to check in on you, dog. How you feeling, bro? oh man everything's good man you know i um these weekends they've been really really good to me man like i said ever since i moved over here to the hoffman i go to my spot on a weekend a lot of times when i don't want to have to venture out you know and you know I, at my disposal i got old town right there dc you know it's like right there hop skipping a jump but my best weekend so far since i've been here i've actually been here going to my place san antonio's like right there to kickstart the weekend off had another excellent weekend some of the things that I, I um actually partaking in this weekend I'll share that information with you offline though fellas and again like I said we got you know the man the myth dang you understand what I'm saying he's gonna bring us some championships over there to cream city <laughs> Milwaukee you understand what I'm saying and, and Vail, are you over there laughing man don't hate man don't, don't be okay I, 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 I was peeping it I, I saw the moves okay okay i think we kind of gauged how your weekend was and and whatnot so let's go ahead and get off oh that's an old picture you see right here. that's that used to be my black barbie right there we still cool but that was when i was about damn near 300 pounds right there you see that man yeah i was like is that you <laughs> so they see that transformation y'all see hey, it right man. there yeah don't Respect. care that cash out hit the like and subscribe button um also i'm gonna put the link in the chat for anybody that wants to you know come through hopefully my boy uh ty he'll he'll um, stop by as well so let's kick things off with yesterday last night you had canelo he was going against little charlo male um in a 12-round bout out there in las vegas Vale, what did you think about canelo's performance yesterday 
Um, I thought Canelo was, you know, being himself. You, there's still some a little bit of slippage there, but still, man. I mean, I think it's more about what 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 Charlo, what Jamel Charlo didn't do. I was very uh, disappointed in, in his performance, and and really, I think he lost this fight from the time that it was announced up until the end of the first round. I think that's when that fight was lost. Uh, and I mean by that is. Um, it seemed like he he wasn't taking it as serious as he should have. Uh, it, it was almost like he was up and down. Like in some places he was like kind of nervous and in the moment and, you know, under the lights. Then in other moments he seemed to not be taking it seriously, saying things like, hey, this guy is, is I'm taller and bigger than this guy. You know, he's he's smaller than me. And, um and of course, then he said, you know, he was he he was more calmer leading up to this fight, and then saying things like, you know, I'm trying to be more mature, which was good. But, you know, what was that line, man? And then, so as the fight start off, it, you know, the biggest mistake I think he made was when when you have a when you fighting a fighter of the magnitude of Canelo, you cannot do nothing in the first round, like like just nothing. Like he was. Filling out around around like that, filling out where nothing is happening, and then people were like, "Okay, you know, Canelo didn't do anything. Charlo didn't do anything." It suits a fighter like Canelo more than anything. It's it's like, for example, I'll give a good example, like uh, the fights that Lomachenko lost against Devin Haney and and Teofimo Lopez. They were active. They had game plans. They went in there and they get and, and, and it, it kind of. They kind of disrupted Loma's ability to try to see what they were going to do. By the end of the first round, Canelo, he gave Canelo to read just about everything except his actual offense. He was reading his footwork. He was reading his movements. All that stuff he figured out by the end of the first round. And I thought, like, you just gave it to him, Charlo. So um, once uh, Canelo started to heat up, you know, around uh, the, the second and third round throwing hooks, it's like Charlo fought – felt the power and it's like he didn't want to exchange as, as much as he should have. I mean, I'm like, where's this line? I mean, he was fighting like, you know, now I wouldn't even say a cat because cats fight, you know what I'm saying? Like a house cat, like a kid or something, man. He just wasn't seem afraid. And you can't say it's the size, just the size alone because he came in pretty heavy, which that's a whole nother issue. I thought that he should have came in lighter and kept a lot of his speed. And I feel like it, it Maybe that was something in training that he just wasn't doing. He, he looked flat. Um, he allowed Canelo to do with it, pretty much whatever he wanted to do. And, and by the, you know, the the the, uh, the sixth round, six, seven round, you know, uh, he was basically running from Canelo. And then uh, Canelo had a, a great round around seven where he threw a, a hook and an uppercut that really hurt Charlo. And Charlo went down to a knee. Uh, and other than that, it just Canelo was even out muscling Charlo and Charlo was just moving back the whole time. I don't think anywhere through that fight that Canelo was actually moving backwards. Um, so it, it, some people say it was a great performance by Canelo. Canelo's back. I really didn't see it that way. I just saw him being more optimal than he was in the past. And Charlo basically giving it, giving that fight to him. And I would prefer much prefer Jamel to really, you know, put his foot on that gas, and if he has to go out on the shield, he has to go out on the shield. I think he would have gained more by doing that than the performance he had 
especially considering the reputation he has and, you know, some of the things he says, you know. Um, but and you had, you know, people online talking about, man, I should be watching UFC, man. Casual fans, of course. I thought this was a very tense fight, you know. But I, I think Charlo did, did himself any favor by that performance. Um, so it, it, it was an okay fight from, from for Canelo, you know. So what do you think, Will? I oh, mean, it, 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 it kind of wasn't expected. First and foremost, let me go ahead and go to these uh... – these uh, punch stats right here. You had Canelo almost doubling up Charlo as far as punches landed. Um, as far as punches thrown, Charlo threw a little bit more, which was expected. Percentage-wise, he almost doubled him up again, 34% to 18%. Jabs landed. He he landed 16 more jabs. Power punches, overwhelming um, for Canelo, you know, 78 to 31. He was more accurate. And I don't know if, if Mel won around um, yesterday or not. Um, I, I can't recall him winning. But I went. To, I took a little nap, woke up, I was a little drowsy. You know what I'm saying? But um, the fight kind of played out as I expected. See, here's the thing, man. This is why I don't knock Charlo that much. Because all of these guys are doing the same thing, man. They're doing the same thing. They, 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 the, the top guys, for the most part. They're, they're using the same playbook. Canelo knows that it, when he's fighting Charlo, and people overlook this, man. It's the fact that he's he's one. It's the gamesmanship. It's it's the edge that he's trying to get over guys. It's always something. Like I knew that this wasn't gonna play out well for Mel. First and foremost, the fight, the turnaround of the fight was too quick. It's like remember, all of a sudden, we're like, damn, he's fighting Charlo, like. If you're going to fight Canelo at a new weight, you've been off 16 months, you know what I'm saying, off of an injury, you're fighting the biggest guy that you ever faced, you're jumping up two weight classes, you need to be a little bit more prepared and have more time to be able to compete at that level against somebody like Canelo. You understand what I'm saying? So you already got the, the deck stacked against you. Also, what Canelo knows, Canelo had been up at 168 for quite a while. He knows it's an adjustment that you have to make in order to feel comfortable to be able to go against those bigger, stronger guys. And if you had never done that before, at that, especially at that level, again, it's going to take some time for you to get prepared. So once he's getting hit and he's trying to like use his physicality and it's like, damn, this dude way too strong. That's something that over time you start getting adjusted and used to, not just like voila. You know, some people can do it. Maybe a Mayweather or somebody, but it has, has to be. But you're not coming in 16 months later. So those are the things that I, I thought that was already playing against Mel already. And so it's like now, man, I just got dropped. Like he probably hit him a couple other times where he kind of buzzed him a little bit. Let me go ahead and get this payday, and let me take my butt back down to the weight class that I, I campaign at for real. You understand what I'm saying? Where, I, where I'm effective and try to get some paydays down there. So that's what I saw yesterday. It was a good performance by Canelo under the circumstances, but Canelo always does this. You understand what I'm saying? Like people in this day and age, that's all you got to do is get somebody in the ring with a name and then you can check off the box. So now people want to say he, he took care of the not wanting to fight a slick African-American fighter. I don't think Mel is all that slick. Um, I just think that he's athletic is, is I don't know what, when he's at his best. Um, 
but he the same thing caleb plant when he when caleb plant signed that contract it was like dang you about to fight canelo that quickly like about eight weeks or or you know so he, and then he had a little bit of a layoff injury and stuff like that it's always that way jacobs okay i'm gonna put a weight clause in there and it's it's always some type of advantage some type of gamesmanship that he's gonna have now all in all he signed the fight you understand what i'm saying he he, he signed his name on a dotted line he was in there um probably could have did a little bit more um but for face value what you're gonna say is canelo be another pound for pound guy he won every round and so just from that standpoint you know it's it's a it's a victory for canelo um it, it was what it was it, it was what what i expected i thought canelo might have been able to get mail out of there because i thought mail was going to push it a little bit more and go out on the shield and i'm kind of glad he didn't so he can live to fight another day um what did you see danny i kind of saw it the way that both of you guys saw it in a way you know what i mean in the sense that like i can understand why bell would be disappointed but I can also, to your point, well, I can understand why Mel fought the way he fought, like on some check clear. I could go out of my shield, but I'm not going to win the fight anyway. So let me go ahead and live the fight another day. And then when the when the post fight happened and they asked me what I want to do, go back, going back to my weight class, call out the guys there, which he which he did, um, and and like move on, you know. So. I understood um in terms of the scoring of the fight i scored it you know 119 to 108 it was it was clearly going to be a wide scorecard regardless it was just a matter of did you give charlo like maybe one round maybe two or did you just like just give him nothing you know um and then take away the point for the knockdown um you guys pretty much uh summed up the fight itself so i don't really have to get in that but like I understood why he also fought that way, you know, given the difference in weight class, you know, uh, he stayed on the back foot a lot. Um, you're going to show a fighter respect if your punches aren't having any effect and you keep getting walked down like that. That's what you call survival mode. You know, um, it was like in certain spots, he was mentally trying to hype himself up to stay in the fight. But, you know, for Canelo, it looked like a sparring session um the only thing that i'll say is you know kind of to your point again will is that like you know at the end of the fight you know canelo was saying like i'm back and you know his stamina did look better and Nate, that might be somewhat related to uh moving his camp to lake tahoe where the higher altitude and stuff but if he was if he is back i don't think this was a fight to make that determination because he wasn't really bothered and charlo wasn't really throwing enough to test that stamina um you know charlo threw according to the, your punch stats what 398 punches that's about 33 punches around that's not enough at that level to really test even though they're higher weight class like that's honestly closer to like uh, a cruiserweight punch output or maybe even a heavyweight punch output than a super middleweight and so um to me the jury's still out on his stamina, you know, but it also depends on who he fights, you know. Um, and, you know, that's just the statistics, you know, that that's just not a lot of punches to throw per round at an elite super middleweight, you know. And so, um, you know, you're just not going to bother someone in that way. Um, so I think Canelo was 
like you said, he he did what he he did. Like he made a marketable fight, uh, where he could pretty much get his like get the appearance and maybe get his confidence up that like he's back. And in terms of you know what's next, what we'll get into in a little bit, uh, you know we'll see now that he's you know reestablished himself, quote unquote. We'll see who he actually uses that momentum to fight, but. I, I think we all saw the jig though you know in terms of like if, if this fight were, were made like a year ago like and even at the beginning of it we were just kind of like what you know what i mean and so um we saw the jig i see in the comments he says so how many punches you gotta throw to be an elite genius to be elite i'm look at the statistics like that's not a high punch output 33 punches is not a high punch output output um I, I literally looked at copy box before I made my comment. So if you want to check copy box yourself, you're more welcome to, but when you're trying to keep someone off you, I'm not saying the outcome would have been different. I'm just saying, if you want to keep someone off you, 33 punches is not enough. That's all I got. What you got? Uh, and shout out, salute, salute to Ty. Shout out for, appreciate you yeah, joining salute. us. <laughs> shout out Ty. We got the, we got the, uh, the legend in the building. What's going on legend? You know, before you get started, uh, Ty, you, you watch basketball? Nah, not really, man. Not not like I watch boxing, nah. Okay, okay. So this, but I'm, I'm going I'm to put you up on some game, good brother. This season, I want you to check out the Milwaukee Bucks, man. <laughs> I knew where this was going. We got, we got Dame Lillard. But anyway, uh, what was your take yesterday on what you saw um, with Canelo and, and your guy? You know what I'm saying? Like I told you last week, they say that I'm a homer for Spence. And then his boy is a homer for uh, David Benavidez, and you can't say anything. So he might be mad at you, fellas. But what you said about Jamel, you know, what I'm saying that, that's how Ty is when it comes to to Mel. But what did you think yesterday about his performance and Canelo? Uh, I think Mel was, you know, fighting smart. You know, uh, if you trade with Canelo, you're going to go down. So I think he was just fighting smart and not trying to be another KO victim. So he was using a lot of footwork. You know, um, constantly, constantly, you know, shuffling Canelo, backing up. But one thing I noticed, like, every time Canelo would throw his big shots, he would clinch. So that was telling me right there, you know, he was uncomfortable with Canelo's power. And, of course, he did go down. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, to me, he was just – he wasn't, like, survival mode. But, you know, I do think if he let his hands go more, he would definitely went down even earlier. So, you know – you know, congrats to both guys, you know, um, giving the fans a good fight. But, yeah, I think Maul, Maul could have just um, did a little better. But like you guys mentioned, he did he did move up two weight classes. You know, he is coming off with a lot of inactivity. So, but yeah, I think he was just just using his footwork, trying to be trying to be smart. Because you notice, like, when Canelo fought Triple G, you know, Triple G, even when Canelo was in on the ropes, Triple G didn't even throw, like, his serious shots like that. So, you know, that just shows that Canelo's got serious power. Anybody that really trades with Canelo is going to go down. So, I mean, my hat's off to Jamel, you know, for fighting the way he did. But to me, he was just fighting smart, using his footwork. Yeah, um, DT3, he, he's real active in the chat. He says, he's, he's saying that he don't think Mel is an elite fighter. And what do you fellas think about that? Would you consider Mel an elite? I, I mean, I think he's was he put himself in like top 10 pound for pound on the top 10 pound for pound list and perhaps top five um prior to this fight but what do you what do you what do you guys think about him um, hey you don't you don't win four belts in a weight class and and, and not be elite period appreciate you bill yeah 
even if he doesn't have defense. You don't win four belts in a weight class and lack deep and lack uh eliteness. Listen, uh, fella, you can come on in, man. I, we're not. I'm not mad at him. You know, what I mean, some of the comments that he make, I, I like his passion. You understand what I'm saying? But but here's the thing. You want to do this? He can. He's more than welcome to speak his piece. We can get him in, get him out. But um, what I was gonna say is, and he, but see, what he's saying, I kind of mentioned that, but I, I I wouldn't necessarily say Mel isn't elite, um, because of that resume. So now he's saying, who did he beat? All right. So we're looking at. Um, the guys that he beat for his belts. I thought that the Harrison wins were good. The the Castillo win was was really good. You understand what I'm saying? And those like are the top guys in in his division when he faced them, and he's beating champions. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't quite like in question as far as how you looked at Crawford when he beat Dango and those guys. You understand what I'm saying? He beat some legitimate guys. I don't know if there was like world beaters, you know, the Lubin win. Um, you know, he has some really good wins underneath his belt. So I wouldn't go that far, uh, DT3. You understand what I'm saying? No, you, you, I'm not saying Castaño is elite because you can go through anybody's resume like that. You can like, if with a fine tooth comb, you can be like, oh, okay, was he elite? No, but he was a hell of a fighter. He was a really good fighter. Who's who under whose resume are you gonna say was that guy elite? You can kind of do that with Canelo. You can, if you want to, if we can go through and say um Cotto was old when he beat plant, is plant elite? You understand what I'm saying? Like, is is Billy Joe Saunders elite? You know, but you beat enough like B plus level fighters, then that's what your resume consists of. Was 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 Jacobs elite? Was Jacobs weight drain because he had the so again, you can do that with anybody's resume if you if you want. But I don't want to spend too much time. Thank you so much for your comments in the chat, fellas. Um, also, can I can I say something real quick? You can. The last thing I'm gonna say is like, I don't know what like elite is subjective. You know what I mean? Like, but the last thing I'll say is that if you fight the people in front of you and they are the best people at your weight class to fight. Like if you're beating, if you're consistently beating rank number two, number three, number four, number rank, you know, people in your division and you are the undisputed champion that division because you went out and got all the belts, you know, like I'm not in the business of calling people elite and not elite, but I can say that he's done just about everything there is to do at super welterweight to the point where now you have new up and comers to beat. But in terms of who came in there with him, he beat all them dudes already. That's all I got. Yeah, the guys who I can say that I see that I would consider definitely elite. Um, the kid from the Philippines, well, not the Philippines, but Japan. You got him, um, Anuwe. You got Crawford is is elite. I think Canelo's elite because you can see it. You know what I'm saying? It's like certain things that they do, that's elite level stuff. You know what I mean? And you got some guys that are on the cusp of being elite, but you got I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, as far as he, he's one of the top fighters, top, top pound for pound fighters that we have in the sport of boxing. That's for sure. You know, I don't care what anybody said. Now, what do you guys think about this, though, as far as him returning? So the, the next thing we want to do is kind of like talk about where do you think these guys need to go from here? Like, as far as Canelo, who would you like to see Canelo fight? He has that three fight deal or now two fights left on that deal that he has with the PBC. Who do you think should be next? Now, I, I figure... He's in the business of whooping on brothers. You understand what I'm saying? He beat the Smiths. He beat the Kodos. So now it's going to be like tic-tac-toe with Jamel and Jamal. 
I think Jamal is going to be one of those other guys because we're going to talk about who he's going to fight next a little bit later. But do you like the move from uh, male to go back down to 154 and possibly fight uh, Crawford as well? Okay. For oh yeah, you want to speak, Danny? I didn't know how we were doing it, but you, you got it if you want to. If you we we can keep that same order actually, so okay. that's fine. For for uh, Canelo, to me, the, to Will, you have a point. He may just fight Jamal. I would hate that. <laughs> I think he if it's for he's, he's realistically is going to fight um secret day mile that's gonna be his next fight realistically well he could take a fight if he wants to stay active but let's just say the secret day mayo is very likely i would want him to fight the winner of david benavidez and demetrius uh andrade that's what i would want um that's it's, it's no other fights really out there for him that, that's gonna that we can say hey canelo's that guy and that's why he he's been losing ground as the, the you know the pound for pound guy is, is that you still got that guy out there man and you got other people out there that's better fights. There was a time period where Jamal would have been a good fight for him, but not right now, not today. Um, for Jamel, Jamel is is kind of like a double edged sword a little bit because yes, he did try to preserve himself and not go out on a shield but in case in, in, in some instances he kind of reduces marketing value for, for just a little bit and if he decides to go out in 154 because he came in so high like at 167 and a half how much he weighed in it's going to be tougher for him to get down to 154 um so he did say he want to go down to 154 he possibly want to take on you know terrence crawford which i think that fight uh is easier to happen, I don't know why he wants. To, well, I know why, but um, there's also Tim Zoot has been out there. That him and Charlo should have happened like seven, eight, nine months ago, and Tim Zoot is just waiting, waiting for a shot at the title. So they kind of boxed him out already. So it just seems like it'll just be uh, Bud Crawford versus uh, Jamel Charlo for all four of the the belts at light middleweight. That's that's probably what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, thanks for letting the playing good brother. I, what I would say is this: is that, and I agree with with uh, DT three on this that it's a bad idea. You just mentioned that as well, as far as the dropping down and weight. I don't like that. But again, that's all of these guys are doing the same thing. So you're gonna give Bud Crawford another advantage going into the ring, and it's gonna be the same thing again. He's not going to look like he did before he moved up and what he's going to do the Kell Brook thing when he went up to fight Triple G or fight Triple G. Then he comes back down These and he's muscular. So when you're coming back down this time, it's not going to be the same. Like You're going to be losing muscle and things like that. Your, your time is going to be off a little bit because you fought the bigger guy. And when you come back down this time fighting somebody who's a sharpshooter, somebody who's fast and quick, you might not be able to get adjusted. By the time you get adjusted, he's up on the scorecards for round zero. So now you got to press a little bit. And then Bud Crawford is just going to toy with you. So that's what's going to happen. And then Bud Crawford is going to go through all of these weight divisions. They're going to say he's like the best fighter ever. So Tank Crawford, or I mean, yeah, Tank Crawford, Crawford, um, Davis, you understand what I'm saying? Like these dudes, they do the same stuff. It's the same magic trick over and over. Now, as far as Canelo, I would love to see him fight uh, Benavidez, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, what's going to happen is when Benavidez fights, 
whoever he's about to fight, then Canelo's probably going to announce somebody he's going to fight. And it's like, okay, we couldn't fight because you already was – they're going to do something like that, man. Canelo fights a lot of great – I should say great. A lot of good guys. It's just not when you want him to fight them. You know what I'm saying? He has to wait until the right opportunity to seize the opportunity there with the guys that he's going to face. He typically does that. So I don't know who he's going to fight next. Maybe Mel, after, if Mel looks good in his next fight or – if Mel just gets a victory, I mean, Maul gets a victory, then he might go in that direction. But what say you, fellas? I don't want to talk your ear off. We got enough perspectives on here. Um, and, and DT, that's why I say, man, just come on here because I, I I totally disagree with you when you said Floyd did the same thing. Floyd did not do the same thing. What Floyd did was, was Madonna coming off a bad victory when he fought Madonna. No, he was not. Cotto had just come off, you know, a, a good victory when he fought him. Canelo was coming off one of his best victories when he fought him. So I totally disagree as far as him facing those guys when he faced them. But anyway, go ahead, fellas. Yeah, in terms of, of Charlo, um, it, it's a matter of how he gets there. You know what I mean? So, so And we also don't know what's going to happen with Crawford and Spence. You know, um, So we don't know if they're going to rematch. And so if, if they rematch, then we're talking a year from now. And if we're talking a year from now, in my opinion, Charlo is better off taking a light touch at maybe a catch weight somewhere between 154 and 160, and then trying to and then trying to look at you know against well a against Crawford and b back at 154 period you know. But I do agree that it's not a good idea to move up that much and then move back down that much. I, I don't I, I disagree. I mean I, I do agree. Um, but then in terms of undisputed. You know, um, that's not a thing right now because, you know, you have the, the winner of Zoo and Mendoza. That person is going to have the WBO champion. So that person is going to have to go through them if they want to be undisputed again. And so, um, you know, we don't we, we just don't know what's going to happen in between the, you know, in between these fights. But if he were to fight the winner of Zoo and Mendoza or Crawford um, a, a year from now, I would be very OK with that. Um, in terms of Canelo, to quote him at the at the end of the fight, he said, I don't care. Give me anybody, which leaves it open, right? Because, you know, obviously we want to see him fight the winner of Benavidez versus uh, Andre, but there's no way to tell with him. And then he didn't give us anything to work with based on what he said. Um, as good as Bud is, you know, Charlo proved once again, you know, there's weight classes for a reason. Like John Ryder looked better against Canelo. But right, I don't think Ryder is a better fighter than Charlo pound for pound, you know, and as good as Crawford is like what he does is just not going to be enough if he continues to get walked down. You know what I mean? Like I keep I, I've in these instances, I've gone back to when I was, you know, boxing more regularly. Um, You know, I trained something different now, but when I was spar some of those lighter guys like those amateurs will be better than me, like they'll be better fighters. But sometimes my coach would say like yeah you won that one and for me it wasn't because i was better it was because i didn't mind taking what they were throwing at me because i would just walk them down that what that stuff wasn't really bothering me and i think that would be the case that was the case with charlo and it would be the case with bud i think um but maybe like i said maybe this was a very marketable tune-up to take on a, a somebody at 168 but um and he also said that he wants to fight another four to five years and so at some point 
if that's the time frame you're putting on yourself, you're going to have to start fighting some of these guys because people are going to, you know, they're, they're going to start coming after you even more so than they are now. So I, I don't know if he's still in there to be great mode, but with that time frame, it's like you got to fight somebody. We'll see. What what you think, Ty? But Ty, before you start, man, you see how uh, Danny got the same colors as uh, Canelo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you guys. You know, um, for Canelo, I would like to see him fight. You know, the winner of Benavides and Andre. You know, they're supposed to fight. You know, November twenty fifth. So that would be that would be huge. You know, uh, Canelo and Benavides. You know, Cinco de Mayo. So that would be a huge fight for you know May of next year. And as far as Mel, uh, I like. I would like for him to get back in the negotiations with Tim Zhu if Tim Zhu is successful against Brian Mendoza, or you know, just take the uh, Tim Zhu. Uh, Brian Mendoza winner, but I wouldn't want to see him fight, you know, Crawford, you know, of course, Crawford and Spence, you know, got to do their rematch, you know, whatever. We'll just see how that plays out. But I think the most realistic options it, for Canelo is Benavides, and a realistic option for Charlo is to take on, you know, Tim Zhu versus Brian Mendoza winner. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say this a, a couple things before we move on to the next part. I don't want to, um, spend a, a whole lot on some of these topics because it seemed like we'll just be um you know overdoing it you know to a certain degree but a couple of things about male i didn't for one i didn't like his his demeanor um heading into this fight i like a more edgy male um i think that a lot of those guys they have a little bit too much um respect for canelo and that goes into being okay with losing to canelo you understand what I'm saying? Like you get to a point where, you know, I just lost the Canelo or whatever. And then you content with that. I don't like that, 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 you know, when it comes to that. And then also if he fights Mendoza zoo, see at this stage of his career, is he really going to get credit for beating those guys? You know, because people have seen him do that before. And it's like, okay, now you at a stage, I think for him, it's more so getting the matches like the biggest bang for your buck sort of thing. Or, you know the challenges you know what i'm saying at this stage so we'll see only he knows what he, he wants to do um also i'm gonna skip past that and we can go to the next one erickson lubin uh he defeated jesus ramos in an upset yesterday now i personally didn't see the fight i'm gonna let you fellas cook on this but i did hear a lot about the judging and so i did a little research and what i found out is that the judges of the fight was uh ray charles <laughs> pop holding it down hey, what you fellas think about that fight man hey, shout out shout out to poor arthur texas you feel me <laughs> uh, was it a uh was it a robbery or was it a close fight me personally i thought it was a close fight you know to be honest i thought i, I could see if you ask me who won the fight i thought ramos won the fight but i thought it was I didn't think it was wide and dominating as they were trying to make it out to be. And I felt like the commentators were very like, man, every time Ramos did something, whoa, look at him. He's he's controlling the fight. He, like Ramos would land a body shot. They're like, oh, Lubin hurt. And Lubin would, you know, do his thing, you know, sometimes. And, and, it, and it seemed like they wouldn't want to talk about him. It was almost like they discarding him. And I'm not saying that Lubin did this performance or he should have won or all that. But what I'm saying is there, there was some shadiness on both sides as far as the judges. I thought that there was – it seemed like someone to get the memo. The judges wanted Lubin to win, and the commentators and PBC 
wanted Ramos to win because I thought the commentating was very, very biased. Um, but also, Lubin wasn't really at certain spots doing enough. And, and, and certain things that he could have done that could have – he might have gotten hurt, but, I, but you know, Kevin Cunningham was really trying to get him to let his hands go a little bit more. Um, and I thought that would have helped. But um, like I said, I, I was rooting for Lubin. You know what I'm saying? He did win. I thought that he lost a close fight. But I don't think it is, is as crazy as people were making it out to be because they it's a lot of a lot of rounds they wasn't giving Lubin credit for, and then also Ramos pretty much gave away like the la- the last third of that fight he was giving it away, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you can't you can't get your foot off the gas too many times, and he admitted that. So uh, that's what I saw in the fight. Uh, like I said, I didn't see the fight, so I'm gonna let y'all fellas cook. But them, I am gonna go over these punch stats, though. The punch stats, yeah, I don't believe them punch stats. I mean, they, 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 I don't believe that was if the punch stats that they have here will indicate that it was a robbery. If you're looking at these punch stats, because if you look at the total punches, Ramos outlanded um Lubin and uh, significantly, and then the jabs was close. But then you look at those power punches that that would indicate that it was a robbery. Um, what about you, Danny? What you see um, in the fight yesterday? Um, yeah, when you looked at, I, I gave Lubin the first round because it was mostly filling out round, but I thought he did more with the jab, you know. But the second through like the, the those middle rounds, it looked like you know Ramos started to walk him down. He found success to the body. Um, he did a good job of using Lubin his high guard to uh, to his advantage. You know, he would go to the body. Uh, Lubin was fighting off the back foot a lot. Um, and it was Ramos uses the hard guard as well, though. So I would like to see Lubin go to the body more. But it was like when you were on your back foot like that, you know, again, you kind of get in survival mode. Lubin, I don't know about the history, but he wasn't a good back foot fighter last night. And so, you know, going into the ninth round. Like uh, like Bell said, he took his foot off the gas. And so it looked like, and, and then there's one thing in the corner that Ramos' trainer said. Um, I don't remember which round, but he's like, you don't have to stop him. You can keep winning rounds. And it was in those rounds where he was like, he was looking the class higher. He was looking too big. And I feel like mentally he started to like, like that's a true statement. But it seemed like he gradually became content with just winning the fight by decision. And he was kind of fighting as if it was assumed that he was going to win. And like neither fighter impressed in the last, what, four rounds. But it seemed like just all body language, it seemed like Ramos was more confident than busy. And Lubin was still like somewhat trying, you know. And so, you know, the judges scored it. 115, 113, 116, 112, 117, 111, all for Lubin. Obviously, that 117, 111 is ridiculous. Um, my eyes told me that Ramos edged it, but my unofficial scorecard kind of had the draw because, well, I wouldn't say a draw, but you can make the argument because if you gave him the first round and the last and the last four, and then maybe you have a swing around in the middle, that's six six, you know. Um, but you know, I would have thought that uh, Ramos was still going to pull it off. But to Vail's point, I don't have any sympathy for fighters who admit they're going to take rounds, who admit they took rounds off. At this level, you know, you essentially get two fights a year. 
if you're fighting 10, 12 rounders, you're getting two, maybe three fights a year. That's roughly, you got 72 minutes a year to change the course of your career. Based on those 72 minutes, people are going to say, oh, you're not elite. Oh, you cook. Oh, you should hang it up. Or, oh, you, you up next. So in Ramos' case, you had 66 minutes because the fight he had against Spencer uh, was a 10-rounder. So you have a stage like a Canelo co-feature. The crowd is on your side. The commentary is gassing you as possibly the next Canelo. And you mail it in. You after, out, out of the 66 minutes you have this year, you mail in the last 12 minutes of that. Like, So if, even if you win, like that's on you. You feel me? So even if you win, you got booed on your way out. The crowd was on your side. They booed you on the way out, bro. You know what I mean? And so you did that to yourself. You know, so for me, I didn't like either fighter's performance, but congrats to Lubin because at least you still continue to try. At least you didn't make assumptions. At least you fought as if your career was on the line because you didn't want to be a gatekeeper. And this guy kind of came off privileged because the commentary and the crowd was on his side. So, um, you know, for Lubin, this win puts him, he moves him up to WBA rankings, puts him in line for a possible mandatory soon. I think he's, uh, well, I don't think, I just checked it. He's number three in the WBA now um, for this eliminator, and so uh, congrats to him. But I don't have I don't have any sympathy for Ramos. You could argue robbery, but similar to to Loma, where he thought he had to fight one against Haney and took the twelfth round off. Well, guess what? You lost, brother. So uh, shout out to Lubin. You know what I mean? Oh, that's on you, Ty. What you got? Yeah, I can't I can't speak too much on it because like I didn't have my attention 100 percent on the fight because, you know, I was I was getting ready, you know, set up, you know, to cover the main event. But I will say that I was wrong in my prediction. I was predicting, you know, Ramos by stoppage, you know, Lubin, you know, he doesn't have the best chin. You know, we've seen what happened with him and, you know, um, Jamel, we've seen what happened with him in front door. But, you know, he's coming off a nice win in his last fight. But um. Uh, from what I did see, like, Danny, I agree with you. I think that instruction in his corner kind of made him take his foot off the gas and, like, didn't press as hard. But, you know, um, congrats. Congrats to, you know, Lubin, you know, uh, moving forward. I hope uh, I hope he gets, you know, another big fight and uh, he can make a statement. But from what I did see, I felt Ramos edged it. But, you know, congrats, congrats to Lubin for winning the fight. But, of course, you now everybody's screaming, you know, gunpoint robbery. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like they just need some um, uniform scoring, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't see the fight, so I can't really say yay or nay if it was a um, robbery, non-robbery, or whatever. It's just that you see too much of that in boxing where it's a lot of controversy, and it should just be a little bit more of a known um, as far as, like, clear-cut who's winning. You know what I mean? Like, give us some type of criteria that you're going to use in order to determine who's winning the fights i don't know if, if open scoring will work because sometimes with open scoring you get those boring fights because somebody might be up and then they know okay i got the first seven rounds so now i don't just have only thing i got to do is just coast and run around the rest of the ring I may mean, run around the rest of the fight and i'm gonna get the victory so that may not be the answer um but we certainly need you know something that makes things less controversial but you know people like controversy that's that's what happens and you get us talking about you know some of these things but shout out to the judges you understand what i'm saying um and then also i'm gonna start this one off because yesterday i was checking this out so i came back from my spot so i'm over there kicking it and um 
I came back because Vail, you sent the information about the Hoffman Center Theater showing the fight. So I went over there. I went to my spot uh, for the second day in a row. The first day was a really mwah, beautiful day. You understand what I'm saying? Beautiful night. It ended really well. So I go back to my, my spot and I was going to consider getting a ticket to the Canelo, you know, event that was at the movie theater. But I was starting to get a little tired. You understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm looking and I'm seeing the Resendez fight was on. And I was like, nah, I don't want because I'd be in there too long. And I just had me a few cocktails. So then I came back. Resendez was going off. And then this fight came on. What I noticed in the Mario Barrios, um, your Danis Ugas fight is that Ugas didn't even look like he again. This is another guy who's on a long layoff, and, and you might need to take Mar Barrios is tough. He, he he's 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 young. You understand what I'm saying? He's he's gritty, um, feisty, and so coming off a long layoff like that, especially with the eye injury, like that's a tough task. And, and going into the fight, like you said, um, Ty, how you you made a bad prediction. I knew that there was a chance that Ugas might look old because he's getting up there. He had, has had some wars. He had the Spence um, injury that he had to overcome. And then, like I said, that long, lengthy layoff. I just, for me, in order for me to pick Barrios over Ugas, I just had to see him look old first. And then I, I could have made a better determination. Um, but he was old yesterday. So going into the fight, just his, usually Ugas looks so big and strong for 147 pounds to me he looked a little like just an old dude who's big and strong like he is his muscles just didn't look right his he, he didn't look right so and he looked kind of like a little bit off balance and stuff like that i think vargas landed like a little jab in the fifth round that put him on his seat he was stunning him with punches and then it just seemed like that eye even though it may be healed Anytime he get hit in there, it was causing him some damage. In the twelfth round, he caught him with a little uppercut, and then Ugas, um, he dropped him. Now, I was hoping that they stopped the fight, man, because he was just looking bad. Hopefully, Ugas lets it go, man. Like I just think that at this particular point, all the damage that he's taking, he just don't look right. But shout out to Mario Barrios because he was in there doing his thing, and that's what I was saying last week. We don't know Mario Barrios still young enough, and he's still coming into his own where you don't know how far he can go as far as his skill. He gave Tank a really good fight. You understand what I'm saying? And, and he just wore out, you know, with the weight clause and everything. So that was an impressive performance for him for um, being able to put a fork in an old dude. You know what I'm saying? So he, he did what he had to do. Um, he's moving on to bigger and better things. And as you see in the in the title, it says he captures the interim WBC gold. Um so that puts him in shot for like the real title, you know. So once Crawford relinquishes those belts, then he's going to be right there. Last thing I'm going to say, the person who um, should be ashamed of themselves is Keith Thurman. Because you would have got that, Yadanis Ugas, you would have did the same thing to him. Because he wasn't going to be any top tier 147-pound fighter in the condition that he is now. But salute the Yadanis Ugas. He has the heart of a lion. He stayed in there. He kept coming forward. He kept trying to be victorious, but it just wasn't there. Uh, what say you, fellas? What, what did you see? Yeah, I saw what you saw, Will. I think uh, Ugas just just looked, you know, old and flat. Really, he, uh, he never had great feet, you know what I'm saying? But it, 
it really showed me just how once you start aging and slow, it, it really show it, it exemplifies your flaws a lot more. And really, he, he it, his feet are like concrete. To be honest, he always stands in one place with that high guard. Uh, but to Mario Barrios' credit, I mean, he was working off a, a a great jab. He was really working that jab, using his length, his length. You know, uh, even though the arms is about the same arm length, you know, he was he was really using that distance very very well, and 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 letting Ugas follow him around. And Ugas, for him to be a pressure fighter and and be pressuring Barrios, he didn't really have a lot of power. And when and when you lack power like that, and you're, you're trying to be a pressure fighter. Uh, it can spell your your, your doom. Uh, so I knew it was a bad sign when even early in the fight when Barrios uh, caught Ugas with the jab coming in and Ugas went down, I think it was the second round. Uh, so I knew it was going to be a long night. So then when his eyes start closing, the right eye, I'm, I'm thinking like, man, is that the other eye? Then I, look, I you know, researched the, the, the Spence fight, and I'm like, it's the same eye. And that same eye started to close, and the doctor's just trying to, getting in there, seeing if they were going to stop it or not. Uh, but props to Ugas, big heart, you know, especially shown in that, that 12th round when uh, he went down, uh, went down, I think it was by a left hook, and he he was was badly hurt in that round, and he still was trying to fight it off. Um, it, it, some of that is what I would like to have seen from, like, <laughs> Jamel yesterday. Uh, but because it really, I think this, I think the, 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 uh, Elijah fight might have been the, the the best fights of the night, the better fights of the night. Uh, so props to Mario Barrios. Uh, this is a fight I, I I really didn't see him winning unless Ugas got old and and Ugas got old. And uh, like you said, Will Keith Thurman should should be kind of ashamed of himself, man. That was an easy that would have been an easy comeback for him, man. That's like you let that just get away. I think Keith Thurman is probably one. Man, he, he makes the worst decisions in boxing to be to me. You know, he just he lets all the opportunities get away from him. Uh, and I don't want to talk too much about Thurman, but that that's what I saw. Yeah, I won't belabor on the fight, but again, just like you guys said, shout to Barrios. You know, he he has a lot of heart. Um, he looked like the younger, quicker fighter here, and you know, he's not he he's not like a top welterweight right but he maximizes the ability that he has you know he, he trains uh like uh dt said he trains year-round you know he moved to vegas um you know he immersed himself in that culture you know that vegas boxing culture and he prepared himself for this fight you know and he and he won he's now the the interim champ um ugas he showed hard as well the volume just wasn't there to you know to keep uh barrios off him and so, like that, that layoff on top of his age definitely showed. I don't know if this is an indication of where Barrios is or Ugas more, you know, but he did what he had to do. And, you know, as WBC interim, it puts him in the line to fight, in theory, to fight Crawford, but we know he's probably going to vacate. Um, so, Cody Crowley is now ranked number one behind him. And so, what I think more likely to happen is he's going to fight him if you know once crawford vacates he's going to fight him for the full uh wbc championship um but we'll see because crowley is also ranked high on the ibf side so 
uh, all three of them are PBC. So Boots might say, hey, let me let me get him instead. So I, I don't know if, you know, because Boots is the IBF interroman. So so I don't know. But I could see both Barrios and Boots um, using their interim championships to become a full championship and then seeing what they can unify or who they can fight. So we'll see. What you got, Ty? Yeah, I, I want to say I was right, right in my prediction. I predicted that you know Barrios he would win by you know a decision. Um, you know, Ugas, Ugas had his moments. I think he was doing good with the countering. You know, he was landing some good counter shots. But you know that eye, that eye definitely worried me, man. That eye, that eye was bad. You know, it's obviously that eye hasn't been fully healed. You know, from the Spence fight. So you know, um, going forward with Ugas, man, I think he should really like consider consider retirement. You know. Uh, Cause we, if you guys are familiar with uh, Ramon Brewster, you know he had uh, vision problems where he had to get surgery a few times to uh, regain his vision. So I don't want to see, uh, you know, Ugas in a situation like that. But you know, uh, Barrios, you know, uh, I think his height uh, presented a lot of problems, you know, for Ugas. And I think even though Ugas stayed in the fight, I think he was starting to surrender, you know, after he went down. You know, he spit the mouthpiece out two times back to back. So, you know, I think that that was like a sign of surrender, but, you know, he he stayed in there. So, you know, hats off to him, man. You know, hats off to him for staying in there. And, you know, he's he's earned big paydays. You know, he, you know, he won the uh, battle off Manny Pacquiao, you know. Uh, I think that was um a good shot of re at redemption, you know, since he really should have beat Porter. You know, he had a big payday against, you know, Spence. So I think he's earning, you know, some good paydays in his career, but. Going forward, man, I think he he really, you know, needs to hang it up. That's something, you know, him and the team should really discuss. Either that or, you know, just go uh, face, like, you know, lower competition. Mm -hmm. See, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm, I hope, you know, DT's saying a lot in that chat, but I hope he's not right about this. See, that's, that's the stuff that I'm talking about. And that seemed like that might be right up there, Alley, is putting boots in there with Barrio. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's cool. That's a cool little fight. But I just want to see Boots fight somebody like who has more of a package. You know what I'm saying? Like his last fighter, the last guy that he fought had power, but that was it. He was slow as molasses. He couldn't do anything. Had no defense, nothing. And then Barrios is is kind of like to me still a little blown up, 140 pounder. He's like to me like a 145 pounder. And then that'll be right up the alley as far. Then I'm like, dang, you know, what's gonna happen when Boots fight a complete fighter? You know what I'm saying? With some with some experience, will he ever fight? You know, well, Tank don't ever fight anybody like so. I mean, he might be using that same strategy in game. But but who else is it though? You know what I mean? Like when remember when we had that conversation after after Crawford Spence, and I was like, well, who's left at welterweight? Like I'm looking at the rankings. Like it isn't. Ortiz, I mean, maybe Stanionis, but other than that, Ortiz is gone. He's not gonna fight Alexis Rocha, who's top five, who's number five in the ring, by the way. Cody Crowley's number six. You know what I mean? So it's like who who else is there? Now I, I do think he's gonna fight Barrios eventually, but I think that because they're both in their driver's seat for their, their sanctioning bodies, they're gonna become full champs first, and then they're gonna end up unifying. So the winner will be the IBF WBC champ. And then that person is going to try to become undisputed eventually. You know what I mean? But there's nobody else for, I don't see nobody else for him unless he dares to be great and move up to 54 early. So but the answer to that question is that they full of more junk than a sausage. Like all of these dudes. So we were talking about, 
oh, well, 147 pounds, that's the weight class. You rarely had any of them dudes fight each other. And it's like, poof, everybody's gone. It's either some dudes getting old, they long in a tooth. Some dudes can't make the weight. Some dudes, uh, Spence is, and that's not even a viable option. Crawford is like picking and choosing who he wants. So it's really, these divisions, they we keep saying are like the best divisions, right? They're not the best divisions because they're not fighting each other. It's like the Cold War. Like they just, it's a standoff and it gets frustrating. So now Boots is left with these subpar dudes and it's going to be the same thing with him. When is he going to fight somebody? Is he going to fight? By the time he get the 154, that's going to be like poof, voila, nobody's there again because you're going to have Crawford is on his way out. He probably won't get a chance to get to him. He won't get like Charlo. He's going to, if, He's on his way out. So who he's going to have a whole career of, of the same stuff that these other dudes been doing. Some of it is, I wouldn't necessarily say it's his fault, but they went a long time without fighting anybody. He's like 30-something and oh, And it's like, dude, come on, man. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I might be going to UFC, bro. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? At least they be fighting each other. All right, so let me go ahead and go back because my man, man fought yesterday. He's going to have the same problem. My boy, Jai Opatia. So he was in the, in the action yesterday against Jordan Thompson, and he looked outstanding. I've never seen Jordan Thompson before, but I know he's a guy out of the UK with some power. But the things that I saw from Opatia, he's going to be tough to beat. He has some real shifty feet. He gets in and gets out um, with minimal damage being done to him. He is very accurate. Um, speed, you know what I'm saying, for that weight class reflexes like the skills he has the skills to pay the bills i can see him cleaning out that weight class and possibly going up and kind of doing the usik things but he's just a little smaller than usik though like he that's the only problem that i see if he decided to try to go up and take on the big boys but it's going to take some time for him to be able to to do what it is he needs to do in terms of trying to like unify the division because you got guys there um like dordicus it's the same thing, man. It's for him. His problem is going to be the side of the street thing because he's on the zone, and those other champions are in other. Um, they they fight for different promotional companies, but um, like I said, you got Dordicus, you got Badu Jack, and then what is it, Billum Smith, who had just beat um, Old Boy, and and so he's going to have that 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 um situation moving forward but he's a bad dude man that was the first time i actually checked him out now moving forward or his next bout they're saying that he's probably going to face um bradis again in a rematch and he's trying to face bradis this go around but bradis got sick and then there's a couple of other guys that he might face but again that's going to take him off the track of being able to unify the weight class if you if you haven't seen him man yeah check that boy out he, he, he's a bad dude i would consider him like a pound for pound caliber type talent you know, he's just going to have to have the dance partners in order to be able to showcase them skills. I know you fellas didn't see it, so I'm not even going to ask you about it. Um, and so let's go ahead and get off into these predictions. So, boom, next week, out of nowhere, man, like I nobody's even been talking about this. Just, you know, I saw it, like, just being on ESPN's boxing schedule. But as far as, like, promotion or anything like that, I haven't heard anything about this fight. But anyway, next week you got – who you guys call Zerd after he got kind of, you know, whooped on 
um, blanked, you know, by Bivol in his last fight. He's going to be going against Joe Smith, who got whitewashed against Better Beef. Um, what do you think about this matchup? Who do you like in this one? So, uh, my prediction for this fight, pain. <laughs> pain for Joe Smith Jr. That dude's going to feel it. Uh, just looking at these guys and how they match up, even size-wise, uh, Smith is a few inches taller, but he, you know, he has a longer reach and everything. You know, he has a 76-inch wingspan, you know, uh, but he, he comes off as, a to me, like a smaller, a lot smaller fighter, of course, uh Zerto is a, is a heavier guy. Oh, you said who's taller? Uh Zerto is taller. Zerto is a is like six two, six three. Okay. Um, but Smith has the longer, you know, reach. But but really, Smith is a longer fighter, you know. But he, he he's gonna be a lot smaller in that ring. He comes off as a fighter that's even smaller than, than what he'll look like. He's gonna look smaller than a six foot six foot ver- person versus a six foot two person to me. Uh, and also this fight is going to take place at, at uh, Cruiserweight, I believe. I think it's going to be Cruiserweight. Uh, and I don't think that's going to help Joe Smith and, and his style. I think he's he's really, he's a he's kind of an overachiever. Uh, and he has a lot of heart. Um, but I, th- I think it got to a point where his luck ran out, especially in his last fight against Bitterbee. Now, of course, Zerto is not, I don't think, put Zerto on that level as a bitter bee, but I do think he, I mean, he, his only losses to this Dimitri Bibble, who we've seen can upset anybody. He can move. He's a taller fighter. who can move. He can run around the ring. He has all this boxing ability that Joe Smith Jr. does not have. So the way Joe Smith Jr. is going to, it's weird because even though Joe Smith Jr. has a higher knockout percentage, I think Zerto will be the puncher in this fight. Uh, and 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 in order for Joe Smith Jr. to win this fight, he's going to have to give Zerto something to think about early. And I think he's going to try, but I, I think his style is just going to play into uh, Zerto's hands. And I, I think uh, Gilberto Ramirez will stop Joe Smith Jr. by the seventh round. Mm. Yeah, uh, I was go ahead, go ahead. Uh, he, he, you know, Vell always say different. He gets to where it is that he's going. But I don't necessarily agree how he got to where he is in result. You understand? What I'm saying? Because you, you got it, bro. Yeah, well, I was, I was just gonna say this because Zerto is gonna be the puncher to a certain degree, but you he's gonna the, the, the tricky part of this fight, you have to pick Zerto because of his activity. And he has some skills, especially against guys the caliber of Joe Smith. But Joe Smith is so tough and he stays in fights and he has that big punch. He has that big right hand. Now, my concern is at certain points that Zerto does get tagged sometimes, you know, and just taking a look, just taking a look, man. Let me go ahead and go back to this. Um, I don't know, my, my computer's tripping. I'm just going back to his. Uh, resume see that's a meager resume man like he don't really be fighting anybody and he was going tooth and nail with jesse hart and people like that uh alonzo um lopez at certain moments so joe smith is going to have his opportunities 
to to nail him and catch him. And that's my concern with 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 Zerto in this fight because his confidence. I don't know how how much confidence he's gonna have or how much confidence is gonna be taken away from him after being beat up so bad against Bivol. You know what I'm saying? It's like he put a lot of time and effort into that. And for the outcome to be the way it was, will he um, still have like lingering effects from that and then end up getting caught up? I, you know, just based on the way both guys fight, fights, um, I would have to lean towards Zerto, but I'm going to lean more towards a 12 round unanimous decision. But it's going to be some rocky moments in there um, dealing with Joe Smith. I think Joe Smith is tough. And then when you talked about better be, better be just that dude. Like you talking about an elite fighter. That's another elite fighter that you're facing with some power. And the matchup didn't wasn't gonna bode well for Joe because you're talking about a two-handed puncher, and Joe Smith isn't hard to you know touch. And you're getting clipped by that dude. Now, well, he has some lingering effects. He hasn't fought since then. Um, but I think Joe is, is an old blood and guts guy. Zer, if you see 44. In one with 30 knockouts, he's not like a one punch type dude. So I think that that's going to enable Joe to stick around. And I think that Zerto will win like a nine to three type victory where he's going to have some rocky moments in there. What about you, uh, fellas? Yeah, man. Uh, both of you guys made good points. Uh, I think, though, you know, I think so. Joe Smith Jr. is 34. And you guys already talked about the better be a fight and the long layoff you know so long layoff obviously is from, from what like june of last year to now and he only lasted two rounds that fight so for all intents and purposes if we're talking about a fight fight the layoff is really from january of that year where he beat uh where he he beat steve jeffrard you know um that was the last time he, he actually put rounds in and so, you know, obviously the layoff doesn't really favor Joe Smith Jr. in that regard. Um, to Vell's point, the new weight class will definitely favor Zerter much more. You know, uh, Joe Smith Jr. is a, a nice size, like heavyweight, but he's going to be a small cruiser, especially compared to Zerto. You know, Zerto, he came in, what, if I recall correctly, 12 pounds overweight from like heavy. And so he was already weighing at 184. And so was, he's a big dude. So it's going to be nothing for him to come in at that cruiserweight limit. Whereas I feel like, like, Zerto did this because he had to. Like his body, whatever whatever he did going into that camp, like his body is like, all right, we were cruiserweight now. But for uh, Joe Smith Jr., he wasn't, he had kind of fought a, a lot of guys at one, at like heavyweight. And so he wasn't having the opportunities at light heavyweight. So he took what he he did what he had to do. And so he's kind of moving up by circumstance. Um, and he still likes to fight. And so, but I don't think that's gonna favor him in this one. And so I'm gonna have to go uh I'm gonna go Zerto, um, but probably by decision as well. I'm just gonna bank on I can see him stopping him, but the safe money for me is a decision. So that's where I'm going. What about you, Ty? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, man. It's definitely, definitely a toss-up. You know, both guys are coming uh, off of losses against, you know, some of the best fighters in the division. Uh, you know, both guys got some power. I think Joe, uh, you know, even though Zerto has more uh, fights with more knockouts, you know, uh, Smith definitely has a lot of power. 
so it's it's a toss up, man. You know, um, I think in a sense that you know, um, Zerto, I think he's just not like disciplined, or even though he's only coming off one loss against you know uh, Bivolf, you know, it's still still he didn't make weight against the journeyman, you know, uh, Rosado. So that was like to me that was bad on his part. So uh, it's like it's a it's a toss up, man. But uh, I think I probably will lean towards Zerto uh, by decision. But if Smith, if Smith wins, I'll, I'll probably go with Smith by KO. Definitely. All right. Then last but not least, um, as far as predictions are concerned, you got Lee Wood. He's going to be facing uh, Josh Warrington uh, also next week early. Um, you guys have any thoughts on this one? Who, who are you liking this one? Man, this is like a – like an undercar fight, man. I don't, I don't know how these, how these fights be main events, man. It's probably yeah, it's the zone. Uh, I'll sit through it, man. I think, you know, neither guy got a lot of power. Lee Wood really don't have power. He has some, Lee Wood has the better skills, I think. He, you know, utilizes jab. Um, he utilizes distance pretty well. But he, he's, he's, he's very slow, too. And Josh Warrington, I think, been through many wars—not many wars, but he, he's had some rough fights with, uh, specifically Mauricio Lara, which, you know, um, I believe he had a draw in one fight and was stopped in the other fight. Uh, and Warrington, to me, takes way too much punishment uh, in his career to have a long—I like to have a long career. So, uh, I do think this fight will go the distance. I think. Uh, Warrington's probably going to get cut uh, pretty bad. I can kind of see it. So I predict that Lee Wood will probably win a decision over Josh Warrington. Yeah. Uh, Warrington, he, like you said, he's been in a lot of wars. Uh, his only stoppage loss was to Laura back in 2021. He lost the belts to, he lost his belt to Luis Alberto Lopez last December. So I don't know how he's honestly coming off a loss and getting this shot, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's a promotional thing or um, he's he just still a draw. Um, Wood has a ton of heart and he just always seems to find a way to get the job done, you know? Um, and when I see these guys, like I, I think Warrington is a good fighter as well, obviously former champion, but I feel like in terms of who wants it more and who's willing to work harder, um, neither has a bunch of intangibles, but when I look at the tangibles, I think that that meter goes in the favor of, of Wood. I, I couldn't see the stoppage unless he like really just breaks Warrington down. Um, you know, and, and Warrington Wood is actually older than Warrington. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't see a stoppage. So I'm, I'm going to go Wood by decision as well. That's what I'm thinking. Mm, I think in this fight right here, so you got Wood. Wood is tough. You know, he's a good little tough fighter. I think that, uh, he kind of well, Lara didn't didn't do himself any favors that last fight because he just he took everything for granted and gave Wood the opportunity to get some get back and, and get that 12 round unanimous decision uh win in their rematch. 
I thought that Warrington avoided Laura like the plague once they he got knocked out. Then they had the technical draw. And then it was like, I don't want to see any more parts of Laura, you know. And so he moved in a different direction. So I think it's still a little bit of unfinished business with Laura with both uh, to a certain degree, more so with Warrington than it is with Wood. Because like I said, Laura just didn't, didn't come to, he didn't, he didn't bring his lunch pail with him um, the, that last fight. Now, as far as these guys, I, I think, see, see, Warrington to me is a guy, he can't take guys for granted. Like, I think that the t his losses that he had, I think that he he looked at Laura. Nobody knew anything about Laura. You know, he thought he was just going to do what he normally does, overwhelm him, and that would be enough. But he found out that Laura has packed some um, pretty – packs a pretty big punch, and he's no pushover. And so he ended up, like I say, taking him for granted, and he ended up losing. I think he also did that when he lost against um, – Lopez, like a lot of people didn't know much about Lopez and his little awkward style. He thought that he'd be able to overwhelm him and he got caught up again. But that was a very close fight. Now, here, he's not going to take Wood for granted. And to answer your question, Danny, it isn't because he's deserving of this shot. It's more so a UK thing. Like these are UK draws. And so he has a, um, a matchup that he can take. You know, uh, uh, um, one of those defenses, uh, I forget what they call them, um, but non-mandatory, you know, some some type of optional fight that he has. So we decided to take this one pretty good money, you know, fighting somebody from the UK. It's going to be a sellout, a lot of a big draw out there. So that's the reason why this fight is being made. Now, uh, the prediction that I have for this fight, I'm going to go with Warrington because I think this is going to be one of his last hurrahs. I think that He's going to his antennas are going to be up. He doesn't want to lose to somebody that's from his neck of the woods, if you will. No pun intended. And with their styles, I can see him overwhelming Wood because Wood is a little bit on the slow side. Um, and the way he fights is more of a UK style that Warrington would be used to, not like Lopez, not like Lara. And he's going to be able to. Do, do enough. I think it's going to be a close fight, but I think he's going to be able to do enough in order to get a 12-round majority decision, split decision, maybe a unanimous decision, close. But I, I favor Warrington in this one. Yeah, I'll probably go with uh, Latewood by decision. You know, both guys both guys did fight Laura, and, you know, uh, Warrington didn't beat him. Neither time in the fight, you know, uh, Laywood was able to, you know, come back and get redemption. So I just think going into this fight that, you know, Laywood wants it more and that, you know, he'll probably, he'll probably win the fight by decision. Okay. i probably say an amnesty decision. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, you felt it's going to be wrong, but it's all good, man. Make sure everybody listening, man, you hit that like and subscribe button. You know, we put a lot of work in. Also hit that like and subscribe button if you're on Ty's channel as well. All right, so now we've got a couple topics we're going to talk about. We've got the boxing news. Again, this is in, uh, not in any particular order, fellas, but anybody who want to chime in on these topics, we're going to go ahead and, and let you go ahead and cook, okay? So the first order of business, yeah! It's looking like December 23rd, Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk, the fight has been signed. Now we're going to get the undisputed heavyweight championship that we've been all been looking for. This is going to cap off a great year in boxing. Spence Crawford. 
you had plant um benavidez you had tank and ryan you know you just had charlo and canelo i mean this is just gonna put a bow tie on the year what do you guys think who do you like what say you fellas man uh so I'm glad this fight signed. It's, it's interesting that, of course, Tyson Fury has this fight with Nguanu uh, uh, from uh, UFC, the UFC heavyweight champ, in a boxing match, which I think is is obviously he's you know overlooking that. I'm not saying he should have trouble with Francis Nguanu, but I can see him having more trouble than usual, considering he's he's kind of just looking past that into a Usyk fight. Uh, while Francis is out there training Mike Tyson and stuff, but still, I think I, I, I would not favor Fury to lose to, to, to a UFC fighter. So um, against Alexander Usyk, um, I don't know. I, I I don't know who I would favor in this fight. I, I, I slightly favor. Okay, I'll slightly favor Fury based off his size and that his versatility. But you never know which Fury you're gonna get. And uh, if it's a, not a serious fury, Usyk would win his fight. So it's I hard to make a prediction. Serious fury for the undisputed championship. Bro. Like, That's I, true. Is his heart in it though? How is that possible? How is that possible? Is his heart in it? Yeah. So so let's say let's take that out. Them going against each other, just straight up. None of the other shenanigans or any little stuff like that. Who you like between these two dudes? I don't know. I know Usyk. I know for a fact Usyk is gonna be in it. He's gonna want to be in it, hundred percent. Tyson Fury. Is, yeah. is that right? like once he get hit in the body, is is he gonna be in it then, or is he gonna try to? You that's know, not what I, that's not what I meant. I mean, that's not what I meant. I meant mentally, he's gonna be up for this fight. I'm saying, what what about once he get hit in his in his tummy though? Like, is he gonna be up for it then? He might get knocked out, but he'll be up for this fight. I can I can I can I can hundred percent sure that Usyk will be up for this fight. Tyson Fury, I'm not 100% sure. If Tyson Fury is up for this fight, he'll beat Usyk. But Tyson Fury, we don't know. We don't know. That's How do you what I'm know? Saying. I'm trying to figure Give me some, like, it's, it's... He has a fight with a UFC guy. He's been planning all these exhibition circus fights. He okay. won. He just retired. <laughs> Can he get paid, though? So he just retired, but how did they look against Dylan White? That's Dillian White. That's not Alexander Usi. And and Daniel Dubois hit him in the tummy and, and dropped him. But anyway, Danny, let's what, what do you think about this fight, man? You like you think you who, who who would you favor at this particular point? Uh long story short, man. Uh I do I love it. Um, this is what I wanted last, you know, back in April, but I'm glad we're getting it now. I just hope that like <laughs> I hope Fury doesn't get touched, you know, anything major by Nganu because that's a quick turnaround. But in terms of the fight, just going into the fight, assuming like both are healthy, you know, and, and Fury doesn't have any injuries, I got to go with the Gypsy King, you know. Um, in terms of his mentality going into it, you know, he's a guy that could retire, but he can't stay away. And he has to kind of play head games with himself to keep himself in it. But he's also in the business of maximizing profit, which is why he did what he did against, uh, you know, uh, doing a crossover fight. But I think he's going to be completely serious going into this, as as will Usyk. But if I'm going for the safe money bet, 
um, I have to go Fury. I, I'm not going to put a decision or a knockout, but I'm going to go Fury with this one. What about you, uh, Ty? Yeah, I'm, I was excited about the news, you know, when I heard the fight. But um, to me, um, Tyson Ferry, he's not my favorite heavyweight, but to me, he is one of the best heavyweights. So I'm going with Ferry by by stoppage. Because if you look at Ferry's resume, man, he's he's been in there with the bronze bomber three times, man. You know, he took his best shots. You know, he always got back up and he finished the fight strong. So to me, Ferry, Ferry just shows that he's got the dog in him. And, you know, of course, you know, you should he's – you know, he's great in himself. You know, he's moved up to the heavyweight division, you know, beat Joshua two times. So it's a it's a very good fight. But, you know, I just feel that Ferry, Ferry, you know, his footwork, his power, you know, his, you know, he just got all the tools that makes him a great fighter. And Yusuf does too. But I just think Ferry wins this one probably by a late stoppage. Yeah, man. I, I feel you on that, Ty. Um, and I could see my main man gypsy king getting that getting that stoppage too you know what i'm saying slapping him around in that belly section you know putting him putting him out of his misery seeing what he had for dinner the night before you understand what i'm saying because that's what the gypsy king does he, he takes advantage of your weakness you know that's you know he, he's good at that but all in all i can't really see Usyk winning this one because again every time i see Usyk fight somebody he's fighting somebody that really can't move that well uh, they kind of like robotic or something like that, or they just have a certain trick that they do, a chisora or somebody like that. That's, this is a guy he's facing that's really um, nimble on his toes. He can box, he can move. He's big, strong, sets you up for stuff mentally, you know, tough as they come. I don't listen to Tyson Fury when he be saying stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to retire because the stuff that he says just doesn't match. He's just a He's one of those three car Molly players. Like, if you get caught up, like, okay, I'm, you, it, it's right there. And he'd be like, it's no, it's really in, over here. And that's what he's doing to you. You know, every step of the way, he just got this little uh, manipulation that he's got going on. So I don't listen to it. I just follow his actions. And what he's telling me, uh, Tiafimo does it sometimes too, but not for the same reasons, I believe. Like, Tiafimo will tell you anything. I'm retiring. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Then next thing you know, you're like two weeks later. You know, he's talking about that guy can't beat me. You're like, dude, I thought you was retired. You understand what I'm saying? So don't follow that. Don't follow the lips. You understand what I'm saying? Follow the um, actions. And so in this fight, like I say, I love Tyson Fury all day, every day. Um, more than likely a 12-round unanimous decision, but I could see him stopping um, oh, oh, Usyk. And I love Usyk. Usyk is a tough guy, man. He, he does, you know. What he needs to do he's also mentally tough i just think the great big man beats the the great little man you know let me go ahead and go to the next one thank you for uh sharing out fellas let me go moving and grooving oh, i see why um dt didn't get the link because he like you said he's he was in your chat on time all right so now um that's what eddie hearn he reacting to he got the little starbucks on there you know i had me some starbucks today as well but eddie you might want to get some of that hand bucks bro you know, that's a good good coffee. Now, Jamel, we talked about that already, um, his brother, but him on the 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 um Benavides versus Andrade undercard, it's confirmed that Maul, Jamal Charlo is gonna be facing Jose Benavides. What do you guys think about this one? Is that a good comeback fight for Jamal Charlo? But the the my time that Jamal has been out and what he's been dealing with. I think it's a, a good combat comeback fight for him to just get his feet wet, get active, 
Uh, he's he's gonna be going against somebody who, of course, Benavidez, Jose Benavidez is. I mean, he hasn't been the same for for a while. Um, but he, he, if anything, he's gonna at least be there to try. You know, say so he's not gonna just lay down for you. So, uh, I, I do think it is a good fight to get Jamal Charlo back on track and get him uh, serious again to see what he wants to do with his career uh, and his life. So. Um, I think Jamal will likely, if he, if he, if he's serious and gets in that ring, he should be able to stop Jose Benavidez. So that's what I see. Yeah, I I like I like the fight for Charlo more than I do Benavidez. You know, um, Benavidez is probably really still a welterweight. Unless you know you watching Creed three, in which case he a heavyweight somehow. I don't know, whatever. Uh, he's still probably still a welterweight, but he keeps moving up in weight classes, and not much of his skill is going with him, you know. Um, and so for Charlo, it get it could be a good showcase fight, showcase fight against someone uh, with a name who much who won't pose much of a th- physical threat, you know, because Benavidez, you know, he he really was his best at the lower weight classes, even below 147. I believe he had that only one fight at 54 against Danny Garcia. Long layoff, and now he's having this. And so for both fighters, it'll be a long layoff. But in terms of uh, skill set, in terms of dimensions, it, it heavily favors Charlo. And, um, you know, I there, there may be better fights out there, but, you know, in terms of just wanting to see him back in the ring, and in terms of uh, you know Benavidez being on the same card as his brother, it makes a lot of sense. I just don't like it for for Benavidez. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a decent fight. Uh, I thought you know coming off a two and a half year layoff that you know Amal would probably you know fight a lower caliber opponent, but you know I, I'm cool with it. You know I'm cool with it at the end of the day. I think Maul has uh, more to prove. You know, he's uh, coming off a long layoff. He's coming off a lot of the personal issues, the mental health issues. You know, so I think once he, once he, you know, once that bell rings, you know, he's just gonna, just gonna let it all out. You know what I mean? So I think he, uh, Maul really wants to make a statement. You know, he was just recently smacked in public by uh, Caleb Plant. So you know, I can see him trying to get you know uh benavides out the way and trying to make that uh fight happen with plant down the road but yeah um it's a good fight and you know it's definitely a good fight you know on the undercard you know of a, a huge pay-per-view so i'm probably going to lean for uh for mall by uh a decision or a late or a late uh stoppage man this is useless to me a useless fight you got a dude he's facing at one at 154 I mean, he looked bigger than Danny Garcia, but Danny Garcia is also somebody who came from 140 to 147, then was fighting at 154. So what is he this? I'm sure the fight is not at 160 because Maul has been off two and a half years. So it's going to be closer to 168. That's going to be crazy for him to be facing Jose Benavidez, who to me, when he looks good is because of the fact that he's bigger than the guys that he's facing so he has that advantage i can't see him looking good against somebody that's bigger than him stronger than him, more power it's not going to be able to handle it and i heard some people say well he fought against um 
Montiel and Montiel was cracked. Well, Montiel has some power. You know what I mean? At the very least. And, and if you take somebody like that for granted, and that could be, you know, problematic. Benavides doesn't have that type of power, you know what I mean, to impact them um, like that. Uh, so from the standpoint of just getting some rounds in, getting back into the ring, um, that sort of thing, then it's good for him. But I still kind of think that it's useless because then what's next? Is he going to take another guy, like a little step up, and then go for like an Adamus, or if he's going to go to 168, a plant? I just don't think – it It has to be at least a two – um, a three-fight process for him to be able to be prepared for a plant. You know, you can't fight no Jose Benavidez and get ready for Caleb Plant. And Caleb Plant is is licking his chops at you because you you curred, you curred out to him. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't know, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it, I don't like the fight. It's just going to be something I might end up. I'm not a smoker. I'm just saying it's a smoke break type fight. You understand? You I come back. You let me know who won the fight. This is this ain't it, bro. All right. You know, you know who gonna win the fight? You huh? <laughs> like you like let me know who won the fight. No, you come back and be like, oh, so so what round did the end? When is when did Maul win? Yeah, man. Like I, I don't want to see this. It's, it's way too many guys that he could be facing that are legitimate, like guys that at least at that weight who would be considered like a gatekeeper who you should still be able to handle. But, you know, it's like a um, low risk. You understand what I'm saying? As far as like them being able to, to beat you, but get you some rounds in. They might be tough enough to take you all 12 you know, that sort of thing where you get something out of it. I just don't see him. Like getting... who? Like a Terrell Goucher or something? I can see it. Terrell Goucher might be a little bit too much right now. You, you know what I mean? Because he he possesses some quickness. But somebody um, like the dudes he was facing before, like the Brian Adams type dudes, the Hugo Centenos, like, but he might have already faced all those guys. So he don't even have any of them left, you know? But we'll see. Um, what do you think about this? I saw this headline on Boxing News 24. They were saying that Jelly John, he done put himself, he looked too dangerous now, and that he might be the new Luis Ortiz, that the risk outweighs the reward. A lot of guys don't really want to face him. They might try to, you know, box him out and just let him age himself out. You see that happening to old Jelly? <laughs> no. Is <laughs> it a new Louis Ortiz? I'm like, in what way? Uh, of course, Jolly Jong is dangerous, you know. So he does have things he do this very, very well. He's faster than than I thought he would be. And he looked good against Joe Joyce, but when you comparing him to someone like Louis Ortiz, Ortiz wasn't wasn't uh, avoided just because he had power or anything like that. Ortiz was like a was also a slick southpaw. He had amateur pedigree. He had all these different things that he can. Lynn in his bag, you know what I'm saying? He, he's part of that Arislandi Lara group, you know what I'm saying? Built by the Cuban system. Um, so did, he did, did more. Did John get a, um, he meddled in the Olympics? Yeah, but he doesn't, to me, he doesn't have this. It's, it's not like, to me, he's not, he was never on a level of a Louis Ortiz as an amateur, you know? Um, and I think that he, he doesn't, he, he hasn't shown me not like John is skilled, but he hasn't shown me that level of skill. And I'm not saying that he can't be better than Louis Ortiz or that he, he he's not on that level that level as far as level of danger, but I'm just saying as far as skill-wise and style-wise, there are different styles of fighters, you know. 
Um, well, um, uh, well uh, look at it like this, like from the standpoint of being avoided because he's dangerous, not the fact that they're equivalent or he's better or anything like that, but the fact that the danger that he possesses, the power that, that from his standpoint is, is more the power because he's been, you know, tagging dudes early, um, but just the danger that he possesses or he brings to the table is does that make him the you know quasi similar to uh Lewis Ortiz in the No, pack? no, because most of the heavyweight division has danger are dangerous with dangerous power that can get you out of there. So most of them are like I mean, you look at the top, you know, Frank Sanchez can get you out of there, you know what I'm saying? Jerry Anderson can get you out of there, and that's not even the upper echelon, you know what I'm saying? As much as we 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 Bag on Anthony Joshua. AJ got enough power to get you out of there. You got um, dangerous power. Oh, what, you think AJ faced uh, Jelly John? I don't know. Probably not. But AJ ain't gonna face anybody. AJ, AJ, AJ might not face anybody. AJ wouldn't face Anthony Andy Ruiz for a third time. He already fought him, but he he you said third he, time. That's somebody he fought already. Will he face Jelly John? You saying no? So then it makes him. He sound like he's similar to Luis Ortiz because they 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 so, did. So is Yachty Wilder similar to Louis Ortiz? Because AJ ain't gonna face him neither. A- right. AJ not- so, so that therefore, like a person like Deontay Wilder, probably be the only guy who would fight him because the other guys, it's like the risk outweighs the reward. Why should I have to go through the through him? He doesn't have a belt or anything like that. And so, guys like Wilder, he was. That's the reason why Wilder fought him. Why Wilder said I fought him because nobody else would. No, I just think they're just different fighters, and they, hey, I disagree with that statement. Okay. Yeah, I think it's if we're if we're strictly talking about him being avoided, I think it's too early to tell. You know, any fighter, well, fighters in weight divisions, there are certain fighters is always going to like they might not like your style or they might not like their chances, so they might avoid you. But if you look at who he's been fighting, he fought Philip Herkovich uh last year, top 10 fighter. This year he fought Joe Joyce twice, top 10 fighter, and so we have now that he's in the driver's seat i mean not a driver's seat but now that he's in position to compete for a title we got to see what his 2024 looking like and then revisit this conversation because like you know like we don't know if he's avoided yet because he's been fighting the guys so i think it's too early to really say if he if he's that um but uh time will tell you know Uh, I don't think I don't think he you know he's avoided or anything like that you know I think his team does need to move him you know considering he is already forty so um, time isn't on his side but I don't think nobody nobody fears him but like as Danny just mentioned uh, he's got some uh, you know he just beat Joe George two times back to back so that's an awesome that's an awesome win you know Joe George was undefeated stopping everybody even though he was slow so that's a real look uh, real good look on his part. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we all know that he fatigues. So uh, I don't think I don't think nobody is afraid of him. You know, the fact that he's 40 and he fatigues in the later rounds. But um, I do think his team need to move him, you know, fast as possible since, you know, time is not on the side. I mean, we do have a lot of fighters that fought well into the 40s, but, you know, the late 40s, mid 40s. But I can't really see that happening for Zion. Uh, for Zali Zion. So I think a um, couple more fights against some good names and, you know, j- just hang it up. But, yeah, I, I don't want to see him end up like Lewis Ortiz, you know. Lewis Ortiz was the boogeyman, but end up taking some bad losses and getting stopped in a lot of his fights. So I think he's, he's got a couple more fights under his belt, and they should be against some good names. He's just he, he's in an unfortunate situation now that 
you know, those guys decided to 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 go at it um as far as Usyk and Fury because that could be a rematch. That could be a trilogy. You know, you never know. So that's just going to keep him further and further along um or waiting, you know, for one of those guys because all of the belts lie with those two. You know what I'm saying? So then what's next? Those other guys could, you know, conceivably avoid them. Um promotional wise it might be in a tricky situation where again the risk outweighs the reward and so it's going to be interesting to see who takes that that jelly john smoke you understand what i'm saying people keep saying you gotta he, he gets tired in the middle of fights but you got to get to the middle of that fight though you understand what i'm saying that left hand becoming them bombs you understand what i'm saying he, he got them them chinese missiles coming at you you know i don't know if you're gonna be ready for that 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 that, that world war three you know dealing with jelly um, but also, let me go ahead and go to the to the next slide that we have here. We've got. Um, did we talk about that already, or or not? Or do we want to chop it up a little bit? Now that it's official, like a referee with a whistle, you got the David Benavidez, Demetrius Andre fight. Um, you, any thoughts on this, man? You know who you so, so far before you do your research, and I do, you know you fellas do some extensive research when it comes to these bouts. Before, just off the top of your head, who, who you like? Who you favor? I would favor Andrade for the upset. <laughs> I think I think this is his time. I think he understands this is time. He's been waiting on this, a fight like this for the longest time. Benavidez has been also. Uh, but Benavidez has had more experience on that this level uh, as opposed to, to uh, Andrade. Andre. Uh, and I feel like, you know, it's his time to shine. You know, it's his put up a shut up. And I think he understands his moment. And it's good that this fight is coming. You know, we were talking about all the fights that were being made this year, you know, with the uh, um, the, the Crawford Spence and the, and the Usyk Fury. Uh, I'm not saying this is on that level, but this is an intriguing fight because it's two guys, both undefeated, both trying to uh, audition for that Canelo payday. And I think... The winner would would be deservedly so. They would earn have earned it. So I I, I think uh, Demetrius Andre he's gonna uh, he's gonna surprise many. I hope so. I like the guy, man. Um, I do have concerns for him going into it. You know, first of all, his relative inactivity. You know, uh, since twenty twenty, he had one fight in twenty twenty, two in twenty twenty one, both at one sixty, and then uh, he just had that ten rounder. Um, you know, first of this year. And so, you know, he he's older, uh, 35, and he's relatively inactive. And then this is his first fight at 168. You know, he he started his career at, what, was it 150? At 54, I believe, he started his career. So the smaller guy, and so he's he's slick, he's crafty. I think he's a smarter fighter than Benavidez. It's just like, will, will his craftiness be enough to get Benavidez to respect him? Or will it be another... Uh, a higher level version of Benavidez plant, you know, I don't know, but so, you know, I'm kind of going to bank on the activity and the size of Benavidez, but I like Andre and I, I really do hope he gets a shot. Cause like, you know, I will hope, I, I think if Benavidez doesn't win this, he could bounce back. But I think if Andre win this, um, his days are kind of numbered at the, at that relatively, you know, high tier level for, for super middleweight. Uh, I'm going for um, Benavides probably by decision or late stoppage. You know, um, 
like I said, Andre, man, he just his career has just been real funny, man. You know, turning down fights due to small purses, you know, uh, bad promotion, inactivity, as Danny mentioned. So, um, you know, Benavides is a power puncher. He comes forward. He throws crazy combinations. And I think all that may just may be too much for Andre at this point in his career. You know, he is 35. Um, I mean, this is a shot at, you know, fighting the big name on the big stage. So I just think that it's it's kind of too late for him to, you know, make a statement against the caliber of David Benavides. You know, uh, Benavides fought Plant, you know, uh, hurt him multiple times in the fight. You know, uh, he stopped the rail. And, you know, Andre hasn't really had that chance to really fight those those names. So and I'm seeing a lot of videos of him, you know, working out and he's he's got like this mask on. So he's definitely working on his conditioning, his strength and conditioning. But uh, it's from uh, me watching his fights in the past, it does seem like he tires in his fights. He doesn't have the best gas tank. And, like, to me, that's just dangerous, you know, to have going against an opponent like uh, David Benavides. So my prediction for the fight is David Benavides by, you know, late stoppage or decision. But, you know, I hope Andre, I hope he, that he can pull it off and, you know, win this fight by decision. I don't think he stops Benavides. He just doesn't have the power to. Yeah, man, I just want to shout out uh, Benavidez for, you know, his willingness to fight somebody like Andre because you're talking about a risk outweighing a reward. Um, this is one of those type of fights because he could conceivably not get as much credit as he would deserve if he is victorious because then people, he was 154 pounds. He's one, you know, they always going to, you know, have those type of things to say. But at the end of the day, we all know, you know, true boxing fans know, the talent that Andre brings to the table, the slipperiness, you know, um, the angles, fighting a lefty. Um, I just, when I saw the Nicholson fight, you know, it had me a little bit more concerned. He, he did his thing in there. It's just that he looked a little more fatigued than I anticipate in him being or having um, in that fight. And you can't run down like that against David Benavidez. But it could have been like you talked about, Danny, as far as the long layoff, you know, getting some rounds in. And when he's preparing for David Benavidez, he's he's not going to, you know, leave any stone unturned. So I'm sure he'll be ready as much as he possibly can. If I'm just looking at both guys, as far as like skills are concerned, I would have to favor Andra. It's just more so will he wear down um, throughout the fight, which would enable – David to come on and will he be able to um, survive? Um, you know, it could be like a sort of a plant type thing, but right now I think it's a 50, 50 fight. I, I can't call it. I will have to see more and hear more about what's going on in those training camps, but that's a good fight right there. Very, very good fight. Like I say, 2023 has been. <laughs> so who are you picking today right now? Off the top of your I, head. I, like on top of my head, I can see it going either way. Um, cause Come I can on, man. What? I mean, it's just still early. I, I, I asked you guys to make your prediction for me. You know, I always got to keep it a hundred. You understand what I'm saying? I just got to keep it 92 <laughs> plus eight. You know what I'm saying? So that's just how I do it. I, like I said, I can see it both ways. I can see Benavidez being too hey, dumb. We all, huh? we all can see it both ways. No, you can't. Come on, man. It's okay. Ooh, come on, man. Who you, Are you going to put stuff, stuff in, in people's mouth? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Gun to your head, who wins? Then I then gun to my head, then I'm gonna be like, man, you why, why are you sitting up here? Got a gun to my head. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's only a fight. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one, man. Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. We all knew that this wasn't gonna happen in January, but 
it's it's confirmed that the fight is not happening in January. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, so so what's the reason why it's not happening? Anybody, sir, sir, you 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 knew the topic was up there. How are you gonna ask questions? What, what, <laughs> you could your research. No, I didn't. But but it ain't happening. You know, if I had to predict, somebody that fought it's probably got it's something to do with Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua because uh, they, they they've been. They they never been keen on this fight, you know what I'm saying? So it's unfortunate. I really I mean, this is a fight that should have happened like seven, eight years ago anyway. AJ obviously doesn't want this fight, you know. Um man, he he made a lot of money in his career. He's like what the third most paid boxer, but as far as standing, he basically flushed his career down the toilet. So that's all I'm gonna say about it. Um, this, not the same scenario, but it goes back to what you said, uh, Will earlier about, and I forget the scenario, but about not listening to what they say and just wait for what happens. That's where I'm at with this. You know, just like, tell, tell me when the contracts were signed. Like, I don't want to hear the back and forth. I don't want to. And I kind of get it because like these, you know, they probably catch Eddie Hearn in public and they don't ask him the same questions. And then you got places like this that are reporting news on it. Um, you know, but like, let, let me know when it happens, but if not water and, and big bang, I would like to see it, brother. I would like to see it. But with this man, yeah, I, I'm not going to pay it a whole lot of money until uh, I see contract signed. Mm. Yes. For me, um, I'm with, uh, Val, uh, this was a fight that I wanted to see years ago. And, you know, both guys have taken a few losses now, so I'm not highly interested in it like I was, you know, years ago when they both were undefeated. But, you know, um, AJ's already fought twice this year, so he's been active. You know, Wilder, it's now uh, it's now October now, so Wilder has only got one round in, in a year. So that's, to me, that's bad as, you know, for a fighter who was once, you know, a former champion, you know, he was staying active. So um, him and uh, Andy Ruiz obviously couldn't work out a deal, so uh, – I, I really want to see Wilder more in there in the ring more than I want to see AJ because we haven't seen anything from Wilder in a whole year. So uh, I'm not I'm not even worrying about this fight if it doesn't happen. I'm just I'm just hoping Wilder can get something locked in that we can see him you know see him fight somebody soon. Yeah, that would be good. You know, if we did get a chance to see um, them in the ring, I think more so for me. It's uh, let's say for instance they saying it's not going to happen. So then who, who, who are you going to fight? So then that's where Jelly John comes in at. So Eddie Hearn, I heard him saying that that um, he didn't mention Jelly John, but when Jelly John came up, he was saying how that's an easy victory for AJ because he's so slow, you know? And so that's what I'd be interested in more so than anything else is if they decide not to fight next, then who would they fight? And like you said, um, Ty, that, that's my biggest concern for Wilder is he likes to fight big fights. And, you know, the time has been ticking since his last fight. And you don't want to go into another big fight with the limited amount of rounds that he's had. He's going to be rusty, you know what I'm saying? Or he might have stamina issues. He might, you know, be unable to pull a trigger. You know what I'm saying? You don't know. I don't like guys coming in after these long layoffs. We've seen what happened to Ubers. We've seen what happened to Errol Spence. You know, so on and so forth. So, just make sure you make the your, your next move your best move. You understand what I'm saying? Also, um, let's see, we got a few more uh, that we have. 
Um, matter of fact, that's it, man. Right, that is it. Congratulations to you fellas for, for going through the gauntlet. I certainly appreciate that. Woo. Awesome job there. Woo. Um, Danny, did you want to make the announcement here, you know? Or did you want to keep that under wraps? No, man, we can. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and put it out there. Um, you know, the, the guys, the, the guys have known for, for some months now, but uh, for the listeners, especially, you know, the listeners who've been rocking with us for a minute, uh, this is actually my final episode as a regular on Last Ones at the Bar. You know what I mean? So, so to the listeners, uh, first, you know, definitely appreciate you guys rocking with us, uh, especially back when we started on Anchor. You know what I mean? Back when we were getting sometimes 13 downloads a week, sometimes 20, sometimes 25. But to now, you know, where we're at now, you know, uh, getting hundreds on YouTube and, you know, thousands, hundreds, 100,000 plus total, 150,000 plus total, and 4,000 plus a week uh, through the underdog. And shout out to the underdog, too, for rocking with us. But but definitely appreciate you. And uh, and last but not least, to the guys, man, it's, it's, it's been a journey, you know. Um, definitely appreciate y'all. You know, it started out as uh, us meeting randomly at Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, for the long-time listeners. Uh, turn into a group chat, turn into a Zoom call, turn into a podcast with with art and logo and an intro. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, we really made something special. And uh, that's a lot of people that, you know, it's hard to get someone to, listeners to change their way of life, you know, to go from not listening to anything or listening to something else to incorporating you into their life weekly. You know what I mean? And so, and so we did that. Uh, you guys will continue to do that. You know what I mean? And um and so appreciate you guys for that man it's always love and 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 will you know this was this was kind of your idea you know in the the beginning you know what i mean and i i didn't like my voice at first so i was never interested in podcasting i was i'll leave that to the other folks but you know we got into this and and i I was like i can can do this you know and it went from that and, and for me personally to start two other podcasts solo and to be featured on other podcasts and um, to really say, I want this to be my craft and, and upgrading material, learning how to edit. Um, and, you know, uh, to the fact where, uh, to the point where, you know, uh, for me getting other opportunities on other podcasts to co-produce and to write and to, and to even travel, you know, on other people's stuff. And, you know, uh, starting this, this was the platform that I had to thank for all the opportunities that I have gotten so far in podcasting and all the opportunities I will get in the future. You know, the people telling me, uh, hey, you can make this a career, you know, if you wanted to. And so um, I will always remember this is is where it started. You feel me? And, um, you know, I, I appreciate you guys for that. You know what I mean? And for for deeming me to be one of the guys you guys wanted to kick it with every week. This is like our, you know, kick it, you know, uh, occasionally throw something back, you know what I mean? Occasionally smoke a cigar back in, back in the COVID days, you feel me? So, man, it's all love, guys. Appreciate y'all. Nah, man, appreciate you, Danny, man. That's, it's been a long journey. Um, you know, it's not a farewell because you're still going to join us from time to time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just as a regular. So, you know, there's no need to to bring out the tissue. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just more so 
the the regular uh, nature of you you being around but we always gonna connect you know what i'm saying we're gonna keep the group chat thing going um as far as where you go moving forward um how are those the other podcasts that you have i, I know that you were doing something with that are you still you know working on your other pods uh i will be soon I, i've taken a break from it just to you know because work got busy and um you know i was in the process of doing some other stuff in the background but they will be uh ramping back up in the fall um the studio that i rent out here they was actually in the process of moving uh so i found a new studio to record in locally and so um so yeah i have some guests lined up uh so in the fall uh for you guys who wasn't familiar uh if you go to the water podcast um so on youtube apple spotify um if you go to the monarch podcast uh under the monarch brand again youtube apple spotify those would be the platforms uh for water podcast uh i'm in season two and for monarch um it's been ongoing but i have some really good content on there where i talk about life i talk about people's journeys especially in business or or just following their dreams and so uh, so yeah those will be ramping up and i actually have an opportunity with another podcast that my uh friend runs he's on the underdog podcast network as well but uh we're going to be doing a live show in in the bay area um at the beginning of next month mm. and so um so yeah man it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot going on uh in the future but right now i've just been kind of trying to just sit down and, and be still for a little bit um and wait till the busy season at my job kind of blew blew over you know gotcha Got you. Anything you want to share out there before we wrap this up, man? We, we, we got our guy on here for the, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, me and Danny, obviously, we go back uh, a little bit further before, you know, the podcast and even Buffalo Wild Wings connected mm -hmm. on, you know, especially the boxing tip. Um, definitely your presence will be missed, but it's, it's encouraging that, you know, you'll, you'll still be there. Of course, you'll be in spirit, but also – uh, you're still one of us, you know, um, definitely appreciate, uh, your technicality, your, your respect to the craft. Uh, you always want to, to, to be better. You know, they can say that's a Virgo thing, but you know, get that perfectionist, <laughs> you know, you always want to be better. You always, um, a lot of times you are the, the, to be the voice of reasoning, you know, um, and I, and that part is going to be missed, you know? So, uh, salute to you much respect i hope you you're, you're very successful and, and whatever you do i know you will and, and you're, gonna, you're gonna make us proud yeah absolutely man um, respect bro hey bell used to be when i used to have the fight nights when i lived up there bell used to be at the crib back when i had the english basement but we go back even farther than that like he said yeah and that lamp that lamp put that 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 spot on uh the ceiling or yeah man they took they took some of my security deposit for that but it's all good though lesson learned you know what i mean but but yeah, man, we and Val went to concerts together, you know, went to the same church for a minute. Uh, so, well, sister churches, more or less. And that's how I got to know Val. So it's always love for for both of y'all. And shout out to Ty, man. You know, we, we, me and Ty, we don't, we don't connect a lot, but, you know, we, it's always love, brother. Salute to you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I wish you success, you know, all your uh, future moves, you know. And like, I like to say, man, I took Wilton um, before, like, what y'all do, I'm very inspired, you know, like what y'all do, you know, y'all came together, like you said, y'all met at the bar and everything, and then y'all started the podcast. So I'm very inspired by that, you know. Um, I've only had my podcast for about 
I started it last July and I remember inviting Woodson on episode five. And that was my second time having a co-host on, you know, and that was his first time coming on with me. And, you know, we kicked it for two hours. So, you know, and, um, you know, I've done a lot of interviews. I've done a lot of live coverage and stuff like that. You know, I just hit over uh, 300 subscribers. So, you know, um, I never thought that I'd be doing a podcast. You know, I never thought, you know, I'd be doing the interviews, covering fights, you know, um, the biggest one that I had was, you know, Devin Haney and uh, Lomachenko that got 6,500 views. So, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't expect none of this. So, you know, uh, like I said, I'm inspired by you guys. I hope you guys inspired by me. And of course, man, I've always, I always be on here to kick it with you guys. And like Danny, again, I wish you, you know, uh, uh, you know, all the best in your future, future moves for sure. Appreciate yeah, you, man. man. Shout out. Shout out to you, Ty, for your, your love for the sport, bro. That's going to take you far. Could you be at the fights? You getting these guys on, man. You a hustler, you know. Salute right. to you. You gonna be fine in this, in this, in this realm. You, you feel me? I appreciate mm -hmm. it, man. Appreciate it for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, Danny I always keep it classy. You know what I'm saying? Even though you know sometimes I might get a little raunchy on here, you know, with the Milwaukee O's, and but we we've we've made it uh, full circle, man. You know, we even got to the point where we we getting our subs up. Uh, we even got a little heckling in the uh, chat. You understand? What I'm saying DT three was 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 getting at us today, so. You know, we take the love with the hate, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it's all about the passion for the sport of boxing. And that's how we came together. And that's how we're going to keep on rocking like a, like a cutoff stock. And you understand what I'm saying? Um, Danny, you know, much appreciation. Uh, we got to close this one out. Again, it's going to be the last one with our brother uh, being on here, you know, as a, as a um, regular, you know what I'm saying? But we'll see him in the future, especially when it comes to the big fights. On that note, fellas, it's time to go ahead and, Hit that M button. Uh, we're going to close this one out. Much respect to you, Ty, as well. And we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.